millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, Yas here, and I just wanted to say it's great to have you join me today because I'm sure we're going to have another fantastic episode. So whether you're here for the first time or if you're one of the repeat loyal listeners of the show, I truly appreciate you. But before we get to today's guest, I just have a small favour to ask, and that's if you could just take a brief moment to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Ensure that you share it with all your coaching friends, and don't forget to get in touch, guys. Let me know your thoughts on what you think of today's episode or any of the recent episodes you've listened to. You can do this on Twitter at the Coaches Net. Once again, that's at the Coaches Net. And please make sure you do, as I'd love to hear your thoughts, guys. Anyway, on to today's show. I hope you enjoy it. Have a great day, guys. The Coaches Network. Hey, guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and I've got a very special guest with me today. My guest is Ahmed Bilal. How you doing, Ahmed? Hi, yes, I'm good. Thank you very much. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Ahmed, let's get right to the heart of it, man. Um, sure. Who are you? What do you do? Um, and we'll go from there. Woof. Who 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 am I? That's that's actually a bit. It's gonna be a big answer. Um. So my name is Ahmed. Um. Originally, I'm from Romania. Uh. But from a really mixed heritage, like I said to you earlier. Uh. My mom is Romanian. My dad is Palestinian. Uh. Grew up in Romania though. Lived in Palestine as well. Uh. Before moving to the United Kingdom about ten years ago. Um. Started coaching after I finished my youth career, uh, didn't have a professional career. Um, at, at 18, I finished playing at my local club and then I had a big decision to make, you know, what to do with my life. So I actually went into uh, university and studied mechanical engineering, if you can believe it. Well, that's that's our heritage in our culture, isn't it? You need to do, you need to go into uni, you need to study something. Um, obviously, it wasn't something that I really enjoyed or really wanted to do. Um, I, got, I got dragged back onto the pitch by my local co- club back in Romania uh, to a kind of assist and help out with the uh, under-18s. Um, so it was basically some do some shadow coaching, learning the ropes, putting cones down, picking cones up. <laughs> um, but that's where I discovered my passion for, you know, for coaching um, and really wanted to delve a bit more into it and make it a profession. So while I was at university, I was doing this work at the local club and once I finished university because I don't like stopping something in the middle of it um, I said okay now I need to focus on coaching so 
moved to the United Kingdom uh, because just the FA had a really good reputation of starting a new program to developing coaches. Uh, so I moved to the United Kingdom, started working on my badges, started from grassroots, you know, coaching at grassroots local clubs, uh, being a foreigner, not knowing many people around here. So it was quite a challenge, but it was, it was brilliant. I mean, I was welcomed with open arms and that was really, really good. Um, slowly, slowly starting to make a transition into the professional game, back into coaching. Um, so my first opportunity was given to me by Chesterfield FC in the academy. Uh, worked with their 14s, 15s for a season. Um, it was quite a long drive for me living in Manchester. So then, you know, when the opportunity came to work with Rashdale, which was 20 minutes away, I, I took that one and dumped the four hours trip uh, to Chesterfield and back. Um, just because of family issues and stuff like this. So it was really good. Um, and then great opportunity came for me to work with Blackburn Rovers, where I am at the moment. Uh, I work with under 13s, um, started with under 12s, uh, worked within the foundation phase as well, um, and then moved to the under 13s role, which I am in at the moment. Um, so that's me. That's what I'm doing at the moment. How, how long did that take? Oh, about 10 minutes. <laughs> Oh no! Listen, that was brilliant. There's a lot. There's a lot in there. You know, what I mean, you know, you've put kind of ten, ten or so years in, in like you know, less than two minutes. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot. There's a lot in there for us to tap into. You know, let's let's start. Let's start with your coaching journey. Though you know, you obviously you, you said that you know you was a, a youth player. Um, yeah. Didn't really go on to make a professional career, but um, you were invited back in by your local club to come and do some grassroots coaching. Yeah. Uh, and by the sounds of it, you really enjoy picking up and putting down the cones. Um, yeah, well, what, what, what it was is, um, so it wasn't a grassroots club, it was actually a professional club. Um, it, it was the under 18, so they called me in, I received a phone call. Uh, they were like, look, we're really short on staff here. Uh, do you fancy coming back in, um, helping around with the under 18s coaches? We really need a hand there. Um, so, yeah, so we involved a lot of things. So, at the beginning, it was, you know, this is the setup, help me set up the, the, the session. Uh, you know, do this, do that. But I actually enjoyed that because, like I said to you earlier, you know, did mechanical engineering, but I felt from the beginning that it wasn't, it wasn't right for me. Um, and, and back from when I was playing, I always had this vision in my head about management, you know, you know, rightly or wrongly, it was about management. And that's why, why it was back then, back in 2007, 2008, you know, coaching as a youth coach or coaching at a you know head coach at the first team, it wasn't quite of a trend. It was more of a, like a manager, the, the big figure, you know, Alex Ferguson, your Mourinho. Um, so, yeah, I always had that in the back of my head, but not really thinking about really seriously about it uh, until I was called back into, you know, onto the grass and really started enjoying that. Um, so that's that sparked that interest again into me and it literally kick-started my journey into, into coaching. So, you know, you obviously talked there about, you know, starting off with the whole mechanical engineering thing. Um, you know, making a transition to football must have been really different. <laughs> what, what, what was it about, the, you know, so you, you had a range of experiences, obviously, mm -hmm. when you first stepped into the coaching mm -hmm. world. What was it that caught your, you know, your yeah. curiosity and your passion and said, you know what, this yeah. is definitely what I want to be doing? Yeah. To be honest, the, the best, the thing that really, really caught me there was, was just helping others, you know, just helping players in general. Because, you know, being not an assistant coach, but being a coach and not, not the main guy, you know, you always get players coming to you and having discussions with you and asking you questions, you know, how was it when you were 
at 18, how was this and how was that? Uh, what, what advice do you have for me? What, what would you do different? Um, and just finding that, you know, my advice or my whatever I was doing was helping them and helping their careers and they were really appreciative of that. And it just felt like, you know, it felt it gave me joy to know that whatever I'm going to do, whatever I'm going to teach, whatever advice I'm going to give, hopefully, you know, it gets someone's career on the right way. <laughs> hopefully on the right way, though. Um, so that, that that gave me a lot of joy. And then obviously that sparked the interest into me into delving a bit more deep into it and really, really getting to know the ins of and outs of of pedagogy, if you want, in a way of how do you teach, you know, how do you coach, uh, how do you build the relationships with the players. Although building relationships came quite easier for me because we always had one thing, you know, in common. Okay, we both, I played, you, you're playing, that was easy to come through, but, you know, I really wanted to delve a bit more into it in terms of the details. Um, and that's obviously was through my journey to, in you know, in studying and coaching so far. I don't, I don't think I have it perfect. I don't think this is by far, but I would like to think that I'm a bit ahead since, since I started in 2010. No, and I'm sure you are. So, I mean, just talk about that. So, you, you know, you mentioned obviously that, you know, you came to the UK, yeah. um, obviously settled down in Manchester and you began your, you know, your coaching qualifications. Did you do any, any formal qualifications over there? And what, what was that like if you did? So, no, I didn't do any formal qualifications back in Romania, um, and there was a few reasons behind it. Uh, the the courses there would back then at least would have started from UEFA B license, uh, so they didn't really quite have you know your level one, your level two, that this introduction into coaching that usually the academy players will will start doing while they're playing, like it is over here. Um, they were really focused more on the professional side of playing, you know, the ex-professionals that were coming from out from the game and getting them to, you know, on the B license and the A license. So that's why I think the, there wasn't a culture there where they would push you like we do here, like, you know, our scholars, our, our 16s, we always push them to go into level one, level two. And maybe by the time they finish the scholarship, they will have the B license already, if not the A. Um, so it wasn't this culture over there of anyone pushing you. So I didn't really know that there were any any qualifications to be done um, until I started digging deep into it and doing some research online and finding, you know, the work that's been do, done in the UK. Um, it, quite, it was a coincidence that also my mom, you know, moved here, found a job here and she moved and she moved here just a month or so, two before me. Uh, so that just made it easier, an easier decision for me to, you know, come here other than, let's say, Spain or Germany. Um, and also the language is easier, isn't it? <laughs> Speaking English than German or Spanish. So, yeah, so that's that's when I, that's why I came here and I started doing the courses here, which, to be fair, were really, really good. I mean, level one, like, like we know back in the day, I mean, now it's changed and it's changed for the better. And I think coaches that do the level one now, it's, it's, it's different, you know, it's mixed with your youth model now, isn't it? Um, which if you are into developing use is better. Um, but it was it was a really good introduction and uh, into into my you know, into the coaching and teaching and putting on sessions and designing sessions. Um, so yeah, so that's that's how I came about. You're talking about the level one. When, when did you do your level one? Uh, May 2013. Yeah, you got the day in there. You got quite, you, know, you remember it quite well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do because every, you know, every, every qualification I gained, 
it just you know just set a milestone i think in my life in terms of where i am um so you know these i'm quite good with dates as well so they, they just get stuck in my head uh, but yeah may 2013 did it with um with liverpool fa and it was delivered in warrington it's a small town between manchester and liverpool um so yeah quite interesting you mentioned obviously that you know you feel like the the level one was really really uh, effective for you. What were the biggest takeaways for you on that? Because um, there's been a lot of changes in coach education yes. certainly since then, and even you know um, you know some of the biggest changes took place around 2016 ish. Yes, um, they've started to, you know they've made it like a, almost a restructure now in terms yeah. of the new level one, the new UAPC that's replacing yeah. level two. Yeah. So there's been a lot of changes over the last 10 years in particular, um, and then even more so in the last kind of six years. So, yeah. you know, what, what what was that experience like for you? What were the biggest takeaways? Yeah. So one thing I would say maybe to the listeners or, you know, coaches that will start now is that they're definitely in a more fortunate position than I was just because of the way the course is run at the moment and the way the, the content. But for me, the takeaways, for me, the takeaways back then, um, it was a lot around session design it was a, a a lot around you know different practices and what can you get out of practices uh you know having you know having played you go you, you put your boots on you go out the, the session is set up for you you do you do your session you don't really think about you know what 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 was the planning behind it what's the source behind it you just do it you want to score goals you know you want to have the ball and then once you're done, you're done, you're off. You don't really think about this kind of things, but that really, you know, to a, to, a, to a really, really basic level, obviously, you know, having now gone through it, but to a really basic level, it gave me, you know, that there's a why behind this practice. Uh, what are you trying to get out of it? What is this practice going to get your players to practice? What's the, um, you know, what what's the repetition? What's the cons- consistent thing in there? Um, and that was really important for me, you know, as starting my journey and, putting some more meat on the bone if you want to around what's the session, what are you trying to get out of it, um, you know, numbers, organization, and your old, you know, step method. You know, the, the step was still back then and um, until now and they still use it, but that was really important. I mean, you know, it, it's really basic, but, you know, that step thing is really, really important when it comes to your uh, running a session and designing a session. So that's that's one thing that stood out for me. Just, just to clarify, you're referring to the step principle, you know, about the space, the time, the equipment. Yes, the people. yes, yes, yes. Think, you know, that, but it's interesting you mentioned, obviously, you know, that you felt, you feel that, that maybe the qualifications were in a better place now. Mm-hmm. Why did you say that? The reason why I say that is because I, two years, two years after that, two years after that, I've done my use modules. So I started doing my use module one, my use module two. And when I went on the use module, it just was, so much more relevant to the to the position where I was at that time in my journey in terms of coaching youth and developing youth players. Um, just because the module one, it gave you more idea about you know creating the environment, so creating the right environment. So level one it was you know these are the practices. This is how this is why you do these practices, and this is why you can get out of it. But quite rigid. Why the module one. It was well, well. How? What's the environment that you create first and foremost before you practice? So, what's the environment that you create to your players? 
Um, and then once you create the environment, okay, so what, what about the practice? What, and that was obviously module two, uh, which is now, I guess, linked with the WFSC license. Um, so what's, what's then, then the practice, so the environment first and then the practice. And I think it's really important for coaches these days to understand the, the environment before the practices and all that, because the practices that were delivered on my level one were quite basic. You can, you know, you can find them now online. You can look online, Google it, and you can find the practice. But then understanding the environment that you're going to create for your players and what type of learning you want you want you want to you know expose them to uh, before you think about the practice it's it, it was really important so that's why i'm thinking now if you had these two combined then you're going to get a better picture after your level one about if you are usually in grassroots or um or you know just starting your career in, in foundation phase or pre-academy is really important but, you know, I think you're spot on, you know, during that period where they did have um, the youth modules, you know, brought together, there was obviously more rounded experience for people going on the courses. But I actually I actually felt that um, there was probably a better uh, pathway and a better uh, uh, coach education before they brought the courses together. Right. So similar to you, I did my level one, I did my level two, I did my module one, module two, yeah. module three, all before, you know, uh, 2016, when obviously eventually they, they you know they brought everything together. Yeah, I actually felt that there was more to take away by doing it that way because mm-hmm. it meant that almost I was getting a bit of it. Got go and given time to apply mm-hmm. it. Go and do the module two, do the same. Go and do the module three, the same. So it's almost like I had that bit in between rather than having everything put together in one. Yeah. And I guess you know when they brought the courses together, it was it was almost like they took the key bits from all the modules. Right. Okay. Um, rather than everything that was in there that could have been a use and could have been a benefit. Um, not to say that the courses weren't good, because I still think the courses were great when they moved over to the, you know the, the new format in terms of, of bringing them together. I think, but again, you know the courses have changed. Again, you've now got the UEFA C, but the yeah. level one's been completely online. Yeah. yeah. So you're yeah. actually getting co- uh, coaches that are. You know, I had a conversation about this recently around whether coach education courses are actually fit for purpose and yeah. what what could be done about it to make them more relevant and effective. Yeah, and I'm not sure how effective an online level one qualification is. What, what are your thoughts on that? Right. So, so I think I think when when I was talking here, I mean, it's been to be honest, it's been a while for me in terms of that that way back. Um, I think I was more referring, I, I would assume, to the WFSC license, you know, the way it's delivered because it's on the pitch. And yeah, you're right, the, WF, the level one now is online. Um, and I, I'd preferred it, you, I'd preferred it as, it as it was on the pitch. So if it's online, then, then you know, you're right in, in the saying that it's going to take away some of the, you know, interactions, some of the uh, good things that were going on on the grass rather than online. And I think the danger with it being online is we need to understand that there will be parents that want to deliver these sessions to grassroots kids um, and just learning from from online. I'm not sure how that will then go into practice. And now I, w- I was talking about with an idea that the courses like the like the C license, you know, is combined the the module two and module and and level two, and then your B license is your module three use of word and your B license. So those I was I guessing more talking about them too. I actually forgot that the level one is online. But yeah, being it online, I would yeah, I would definitely prefer it the way I did it. Level one, uh, module one, to be you know to go deliver it, interact with the coaches, you know, work with the coach developers, 
um, and then go and tie it and put it on the pitch. Um, so I guess the downside of all this is it's really speeding up your qualification. Do your level one and then you can jump into your level two FSC license, which, you know, it's, it's one way of looking at it. But then, yeah, you're right. You take away some of the quality and some of the learnings that can take place in a classroom or on the pitch. Because if I remember when I was doing my level one, we'll always do a session, but we'll always go in the classroom. We'll get some modules. We'll, uh, you know, we'll discuss. We'll have the F, whatever they say, you know, the favorite thing, getting a piece of paper on the table and pens and start writing down, and which was really, really good, you know. Um, so the, with that moving online, I think you're right in saying yes, it's going to take away some of the things that the coaches could have learned on the pitch or in the classroom. Um, well, I think I still think that you know with a C license is definitely better now than it was just level two in module two. Just this is just the way I see it, because I remember when I did my level two, so I did my level one in uh, in 2013 May, and then I did my level two in November 2013, and then it took me a year or so, you know, to get to practicing and get going before I went into the modules. And when I went to the modules, I guess I found them more relevant to the to the you know the environment where most of coaches usually start, uh, that being academy in the youth level or being on a, on a grassroots. Um, so that's that's the only reason why I think that um, well the level two you know you, you do the practice you do your coaching uh, by modules is better. That's in my in my, in my opinion back then. So a combination of both in my head, it only was well that's the holy grail. You know of 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 what you're gonna of, of learning that you're gonna get. Now, that's the way I imagine it. I haven't been on the course. I don't know how it's delivered. So if if it's rightly or wrongly, to be honest, I, I don't know. Well, I, th I think the beauty of it is there is no right or wrong, really, is there? And I think it's just about learning. You know, learners and coaches taking their own development into their own into their own hands. So I guess you know, coming, coming back to you, know, obviously, you know, you, you you mentioned that you started your kind of academy journey at um, Chesterfield. Yeah. Um, Chesterfield Cat Three. Yeah. Um, sometimes you can get away with not necessarily having any way for B before you go into that sort of environment. What was your situation? Yeah, that 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 was definitely not me. <laughs> that was definitely not me. I uh, obviously being if you want to be, be the foreigner, you know, not knowing many people here was really different for me than it might be for other people around here. Um, so back then, yes, you're right, you know, you can get away if you know the right people, uh, which is definitely not not me. Um, so I had to take the harder route into that. So I was working at a grassroots club and doing almost the whole week. So I was doing foundation, uh, I was doing under, under, under nines uh, on one night, one night, and then the game was Saturday, and then I was doing under 14s uh, on a, another night, and then the game on Sunday. And that was volunteer. That was just volunteering. So it was outside of my normal work. Um, so just me really wanting to make a career out of it. So it was just my passion and my drive. This is what I want to do. So I'm going to go full in as much as I can. Um, so I was doing all this coaching, um, and I applied to for the UEFA B license. And you know, with a B license, I don't know how it's now. Back then, it was regional, so I applied for a lot of a lot of them uh, across the country. And then it was the you know the chicken and egg, you know, because they wanted you to be in a professional club to get on the B license, but then the professional clubs wanted you to have the B license to 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 get in their club. So that was my situation. Um, so 
I applied for all over the country. Uh, obviously, as you can imagine, rejection after rejection after rejection. Uh, but it's good because that's that builds resilience, and I think this is what I try to teach the players as well. Um, so rejection after rejection after rejection, all rejected me in that period, uh, and I was like, okay, fine, you know, I'm keep going, keep coaching, keep improving, and then see where it takes us. Uh, and all of a sudden, two or three months after my all my rejections, some spaces got freed up on one of the courses. Um, and they're like, it's okay, well, I have seven places that freed up. You know, it's first first come, first serve. Now, don't know if call it if you call it luck or you call, or I call it, but the thing is, you always need to put yourself in the position. If I wouldn't apply for all of them, you know, course across the country, I wouldn't have gotten a position to get me into, you know, this opportunity. So I literally got the email in. Uh, I think back then it was like 700 pounds. And and I was I was doing a you know a normal nine to five job. Um, the only good thing I didn't have any responsibilities, but then I had to like just you know come up with six hundred pounds to pay the course on that day, uh, just to take and grab the opportunity. Uh, you know a few phone calls to my mom here and there, but we managed we managed to sort it out and then I got on the course. And to be fair, that was the kickstart of of everything. And once on the course, I felt the luckiest person on the planet um and i was this is this is really good you know i'm I'm here let's let's grab everything we can and the development that i went through in that course it was it was just that you know ast astonishing it was so good um the learning i got exposed to the the people that i got exposed to um and then i was you know i went back and i was still in grassroots so it was really my challenge for me was, look, okay, these people that you work with on, on the course, they are in academies. You know, they get coaching three times a week. They do a game as well on Sunday, so they get exposed. Well, for me, it was one session a week, game, and then if it's if it's raining or if it's snowing, the game is cancelled or the training session is cancelled. So it was really good. You know, I tried to go there and delve into more more teams. So I was contacting people, I was contacting the teams that were training with us on the pitches to try and go and do some more coaching. Um, and while at grassroots, I achieved my B license and it was from the first take. Um, it, it was different than it is now. It wasn't in situs. It was, you know, like an exam day. You go one day to an exam, you give, you, you present your session, you do your session, and then it's a pass or, or fail. What uh, are your thoughts on that? Because it has changed. You're right. Yes. It's got the you know the, the the in situ visits, and now I think they've even kind of almost restructured it in some ways, where it's it's now just a development visit, it's just support. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Obviously, experiencing what you went through, and what year was that, by the way? Uh, you're challenging me with the years here. Uh, I I passed it. I would like to think in 2015. Okay, fine. 2015. So, I would like to say. And, and where did you do it? I did at Gloucester FA. The the Gloucester, Gloucester, yeah. Okay, so you know what was that experience like? Because you know that dreaded final day assessment. Yeah, that everyone's kind of you know it builds up that pressure and the anxiety, yeah. and it's like, yeah. am I gonna pass? Am I not gonna pass? Doesn't matter what you've done in this in the fifteen yeah. days before that. Yeah. You get to the final two and you've had you have a bad day. That's it. It's, it's, it's done for you. So what was that like? And you know what are your thoughts on that process in comparison to how it is now? Yeah. Uh the way it is now, again, I would say I think it's better for the development of coaches because, like you said, you know, it's all down to one session. 
but while now you know you get you get someone that comes to the club you get to have a chat with them they give you their feedback their thoughts and you built on on that and you have you know you get action points now i had back then i had to do my own action points and i had to do my own uh reviews and i had to do everything by myself i remember reaching out to a lot of like uh, coach developers you know liverpool fa manchester fa you know come and see me come and try and give me some feedback come and do this and and you know the response was well you know we're too busy it's not it's not in our limit it's not that it's not this uh you know do film it and send it to us and we'll give you feedback now that's how it was back then but one thing that i want to say is that i am i'm a kind a different kind of learner i enjoyed the pressure of one day you know do or die <laughs> i enjoy i enjoy that kind of pressure um so the planning and preparation that went into that it was you know it didn't leave any any stone unturned so this is your topic this is your your session and what what gave me what i did in the way i liked it and the way it helped me you know i was working grassroots um it was good because you know no one will come and say you know have a supervision of what you do so it was more you're left to it and you know you trust it with these players and you're left to it which gives you the opportunity to trial and error uh try it you know you make a mistake it's fine you review it you try and do it better um so that was the thing that helped me because i had the team and i used to go to do the session okay review it okay didn't work quite well why didn't it work well um how and things like that and then go and try it again um and then when i went and delivered it on the day i just you know it just that, that pressure just gave me a boost um and that's but that's only me you know um but from a learning perspective and now knowing more about learning and how people learn and all that um i would think again you know coming into your club helping you out you know you do a session you plan the session together, you you deliver the session, you reflect on it together, you come up with action points, you have someone to question you and, you know, ask really questions to really dig deep into your mind and how and extract the knowledge out of you. But obviously now that's if you have the right support. Well, this is this is the key thing, right? So there's two things, the two key things I want to touch on what you said there. First of all, you know, right to the top of it, you, you said that you think it's better now in terms of development. Mm. Um, tell me more about that. Yeah. I think uh, there's arguments for that, but would you say that the areas that you're developing in are necessarily the same areas that you would have developed in in the old pathway, if that makes sense? Yeah. Well, I I, I would I would think it, it really depends on, on the setup that you're in. So... If you're in academy football already, for example, if you're new and you're working with the Katsri Academy, um, I think that's that's definitely different than if you would work in grassroots. Because in an academy, you know, you have other support mechanisms. You have ideally your lead phase, you have your head of coaching, so there are the people that are helping you as well. Uh, and then once you have the another mind that comes in in terms of uh you know the the development co the coach developers from the fa uh then it's it's really helpful um i did i did with my a license so with my a license that's how it was you know i had an institute visits um and i i really enjoyed that because like i said earlier you get so if i if i take you back to my b license and i was in a grassroots club if i would have had someone that will come in 
and be okay. Let's show what's what's the session that you designed. Okay, this is the session. Why are you trying to get out of it? Okay, this is what I'm trying to get out, out of it. Okay, they will depending now on the skills of the coach developer. They'll either be letting you go and try and do it, and then we'll give you the feedback. We'll be like, okay, so what about this? Did you think about that? Now this is something that I feel I I missed, and and I feel that out of at that moment in time, I was literally this was my feeling. I would have liked to have someone that would have maybe you know dig a bit more deeper into my brain in terms of okay so why did you why did you set up this way why did you design it this way mm-hmm. and all these questions that you know I had eventually to try and figure them out by myself I think if if someone was there to help me along it would have just not accelerated my journey but would have just maybe the end product would have been of much of a better quality in terms of me as a coach than than what than you know than the one just figuring out things by myself i i, to, I totally get what you mean and and I, and I and i do and i do see that i think the the challenge comes though is when the developer or the coach you know the coach educator that's working with you um doesn't have those experiences that you might need to lean on um, i think you know my, my my view is always this is that i think the old pathway pre-2016 if you like uh, when it was pass or fail i felt that the overall standard of coaches that were coming through especially from a technical perspective mm. was a lot higher than it is now yeah yeah i I I can I can see I can I can see why 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 would you would you say that yeah I, it it is I mean it's, uh, like I said I mean at the end of the day when when you reflect and again this this art of reflection okay I think it's it's really important to think about when you coach um, sometimes you know we we all guilty I think of you know not reflecting or life getting in the way and you not reflect on the session. It's it's evident that it's really important to reflect on on you delivering. That's the only way you're gonna get better. And I think back then, you know, sometimes you just need someone to give you to ask you a question, like you do now, for example, like someone to ask you a question, and then your mind will, will start working, and you only need then a a year an ear to listen um, to your to your ideas. Yeah, that that person asking the question. The same mm. way you said, you know, you've just talked about it there about reflection being an art. I think mm. that questioning is also an art. Yeah, it's a skill that, yeah. that not every single coach, developer, or coach educator may have. Um, some are very kind of fixed in their ways, and that they see the game the way they see it. They see coaching the way they see it, and they want oh, you to of course. Um, be <laughs> like them. So I mean, like like I said, I think the overall standard in terms of from a technical standpoint, in my opinion, has definitely dropped. However. There is obviously, def, you know, some benefits to the current pathway in the way that it is, and more specifically in that where maybe the technical standard across the board might have dropped a little bit. Um, we're now seeing different types of coaches. We're not just seeing the technical coach anymore. We're not just seeing that ta- that one mold of coach. Yeah. It's not a cookie cutter approach anymore. There's many different styles of coaches. There's many different um, areas in which people can potentially specialize. So yeah. you know you might find more foundation phase specialists, and you might find more youth development phase specialists. You might find some in possession guys, out possession coaches. You might find whatever area of the game they do decide to specialize in. But I think the the challenge is now, obviously, there's is how do we get that consistency of a standard? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's probably the biggest change for me that I've observed, um, both as a coach and as a coach developer myself. You know, I've delivered courses, and I think it's almost become easier to get qualified now. Mm. Yeah, I can. Yeah, um, it, I mean, you know, like you said earlier, and I think it's in football, you know, there's no right or wrong, and it's all trial and error, and um and and you know you try you see how it works you, you see the results and you change and you try and you change and you try and you change and it's just football I, I would think it's just from my own perspective and you know what the way I was reflecting back on it and yeah you, you can can be can be one of them solutions where you know you said that some of the coach developers might have their own way their own set ways of the way they see and they want you to deliver in that way um and you know it, it, I experienced that as well. So with with the new change, I did I did experience that. But yeah, I, I think like you said, coaches will come in a, in a more various type of coaches. It's just because it allows you to express yourself just a little bit more um, and find who you are. Which I think, you know, at the end of the day, then it's down to the coach himself. You know, this is what you got, and it's down to you to figure out how to get the best out of you. And then the best out of your players and or the best out of your coaches, depending on the position that you're in. Um, so yeah, that, that that was my experience in my journey was always how can I get better? How can I? What can I learn? What can I steal? What can I? How can I get better every day? Um, and that's that's what what got me where where I am today. Um, so yeah. Was it Watchdale? Was it? So yes, Watchdale. Yeah, yeah. Chesterfield to uh, to watch though. Yeah. How did that come about? You know, what were the key things that? What were the key learnings for you when you first stepped into that academy environment, at Chesterfield? Yeah. And then moving to Rochdale, what you know, what what? Yeah. How, how did that go? What did you pick up there? Yeah. So when I moved to Chesterfield, it was <laughs> I was say move from grassroots, finish my B license. Uh, the way it came about is I started emailing everyone that I could I could find, every contact that I could find, uh, or I could put my hands on. Um, and it came about that Chesterfield had vacancies and the head of coaching there just gave me a call and said, come deliver a session. I went and delivered the session. I'm not sure if everyone was watching my session or or maybe he was watching, he has different skills, but I definitely left that session not knowing where I was in terms of am I getting the role, am I not getting the role? Um, and I was fortunate enough to, 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 get, to get the role. I initially got with under 12s. Um, and then after discussions with the head of coaching and reflecting on my on my skills and attributes, he felt that you know I would be better with under 14s. So that's when I stepped into the under 14s role. And obviously the the level of professionalism it just changed. I mean it, it's a I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it is a step uh, from grassroots to 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 Katsri Academy. Uh, but I just I just felt home. You know I just felt yeah this is this is where I'm supposed to be and this is this is this is good. Um, so yeah, a big challenges at the beginning, you know, trying to find my way. Uh, like you know, you know, in football, there's big egos. There's other coaches uh, over there. Have it's really keep. It was important for me to learn to work with others because in grassroots it was only me, uh, only me, and try and get people to help me. But then, you know, you go to an professional environment. I learn to work with others to benefit the players, and that was a really big takeaway for me. And obviously, besides, you know, 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. More more technical sessions, you know, really more technical sessions to improve the players. And the academy was big on 1v1, 2v2s, uh, 3v3s, and improve the technical individual element of it. Um, and then, you know, individual development plans, create individual development plans, uh, deliver them, uh, feedback on them. Um, you know, then then games, feedback to players on games. Um, the whole the whole role, it was just a bit, you know, big jump from grassroots, but I just just fitted into what I wanted to do and I just loved every moment of it. Uh, so it was really good for me and for my learning. And then into Rochdale, the way it came about, I love my job at, at Chesterfield. I think the people there were great. The academy manager was great. The head of coaching was great. Uh, Matthew Whitehouse. Uh, gave me an opportunity and and they were helping me along. The only what what was a challenge for me was to get there. You know, there was there's no other way to get there from Manchester. It was about two hours to go there and an hour and a half to come back just for a 90 minute session, and it's part time. So it was that that was taking a toll a little bit on me and uh, and I was quite a burning out by the end of the season. Um, so the opportunity came a Rashtel. Uh, they advertised for, they were looking for a coach. I applied, I got a phone call uh, and I went and I delivered a session and they just loved me from the, from the beginning. They offered me the job action on the spot. Um, and yeah, so it was 20 minutes from where I lived. So it was just basically logistical, the reason why I left Chesterfield uh, and, 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 nothing, and nothing else. Um, it was 20 minutes away, although with Manchester traffic, you <laughs> sometimes it would take you an hour. Um, but it was Rushdale, went into Rushdale, now a whole different environment. At Chesterfield, sometimes you were giving the session and you're like, deliver this session. This is the session that we want you to deliver today. So you you kind of had to, you know, step into someone's shoes and deliver that session. It wasn't you go and think about a session about a design. You, you, you know, this is the session. You work with your with the other coach, figure out who's delivering what and how can it link together. While at Chesterfield, at sorry at Rushdale, it was well. No, this is this is our syllabus. This is the program. Uh, this is the six week block. This is why you deliver in the six week block. You go and then and find out the sessions that you you create the sessions that you feel fit to deliver to these players. And that again, it just you know opened up a whole other piece of learning for me because I came from creating my own sessions at grassroots to being giving sessions to then you know create your own sessions now with what you know but at an elite level. Um, so that was that was great. I got to experiment with uh, different sorts of deliveries in terms of you know 
game pod game but how but if you're doing it you know when you do a game what do you want to take out of it it's not just 5v5 with the ball and going scoring goals it's okay what what's your aim what do you want to get out from that session how can you put a game with the right challenges and the right conditions and the right design to allow the players to practice it but without them really feeling that it's you know it's it's it is a training session if you know what i mean uh, so i got to experience with that a lot and it just worked with the age group that i was with i was started under 11s then under 12s and with that age group it just worked really well with them um so what that was my big takeaway from washtel which you know designed my own sessions put a lot of thought behind it I had a really good head of coaching uh rick Asquart, um and he always was there you know challenging you challenging you asking you questions um so it was it was it was a brilliant experience as well let's, let's talk about that you know you obviously yeah. how would you just how would you then describe yourself as a coach and you know maybe what represents your coaching philosophy if you like yeah so that so that was another 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 stepping block wasn't it in in, in my journey to to who i am today uh i like to think about my coaching philosophy and the way i coach is a bit flexible um and it meets the it meets and it helps you know the demands of the players that you have at that that moment in time rather than one one thing fits all and sometimes you know i, I don't get me wrong I'll get it wrong as well. I'll, I'll, I will get it wrong. There'll be times when I deliver a session, but and for that group, you know, the session was not quite well for them. It didn't go, you know, the design or the explanation or the communication was not well for that group at that period in time. But most, 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 more often than not, you know, you get to know the players, you get to connect with the players. Once you know your players, you know how they learn and what what they respond to. You do some trials and errors, and then you figure out what works for that group. For example, the group that I had last year at Blackburn, I took them from under 12 to under 13, so I had them for two years. Now I knew that group inside out. I knew the session that I'll, you know, when I the type of session I'll deliver. I know the sort of communication I'll communicate with them, and what I'm gonna get from it. You know, and they would quite learn by telling them. So a lot of things were okay. So this is the session uh go and try it and then step again showing them telling them quite quite more of your command kind of style well the group that i have this season and i'm experimenting now with it it feels more like i'm gonna try and do something different of my communication my delivery will be something around more trial and error um you know this is go and try it go and discover it asking questions probing uh so it's going to be a different type of delivery to this group than it was last last year and I think it's really important and I'm still learning and I'm still developing. And, you know, the more I develop, the more I feel that this is the right way to you know, you get to know your players, connect with them, and then you're going to know the best way to communicate and deliver to them rather than, you know, this is one type fits all kind of approach. And this is just me. Yeah, no, I think you're spot on. And I think, you know, if there's anything to kind of take away from what you've just said, there, it's really we've got to assess what we're working with before we decide how we're going to deal with it. Because I think a lot of coaches are almost, um, and you see this in and outside of academies and grassroots, wherever you go, and some of the coaches are so set in their ways, it's almost like, no, I'm going to deliver this way. And if, 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 if it doesn't work with you, then you're the problem almost. And it's yeah. almost like, oh, right, you know, well, if that's if that's your approach, then how do you define the role of a coach? You know, I mean, surely the role of the coach is to support the players in in getting to where they need to get to, but it, in a way that actually works for them, if that makes sense. And sometimes that mean may mean as you as a coach that you are the one who has to flex and adapt. Yeah. 
um, to get the best out of them. So I guess, you know, uh, al along that journey, you know, you've, you've mentioned, obviously, you know, you were at Chesterfield, moved to Watchdale, you've had some influences there. Um, you've obviously you know, gone to Blackburn now. Um, what would you say are some of the biggest things that you've picked up along the way? And have you had any key influences, maybe potentially mentors? Because you, you did mention, obviously, that one of the things that you would have wished that you would have had on the qualifications is potentially uh, a, a more challenging and probing coach developer. Yeah. Yes. Um, but but you maybe you weren't accessible, you know, that yes. wasn't accessible to you via the courses. Did you have anyone else in the background that maybe was supporting you in that way? So I think the biggest support I got when, was when I moved to 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 Ashtel. Uh, I think the head of coaching there, Rick Ascroft, now I think he's the 15th coach at Manchester United now, um, the head of coaching, it was really, they had a really good structure where the head of coaching would focus on the foundation phase and the academy manager will focus on the on the, on the youth development phase and, and professional development phase. Uh, and that was really helpful to to me because the head of coaching you know, will come and will have your full attention for most of your sessions. So that's why I got a lot of questioning and probing and, and getting to delve deeper into the whys and hows and, uh, and what ifs in terms of you know if, of, of your delivery so yeah he, i think he had a really really big influence on me uh before that uh the my coach developer at with a b license uh again he was one of the coaches that like you mentioned earlier quite rigid in the way he sees things but that but at that point in time it was good for me because it gave me structure it gave me structure and it gave me an aim to where to how i want to to where or, or what i want to do um so it was, okay, this is my way, this is how I think it's done. And then I was like, okay, I will try and I'll do my best to reach that level that you that you define as being really good or excellent. Um, and it just gave me a structure. And then going to Rochdale, a bit of more chaos, but there's a lot of more questioning and probing and get you to think about things and, and delve a lot more deeper into, like I said, the whys, the hows and what ifs. Um, and really two really big influences on me there and then moving at Blackburn Rovers uh, a lot obviously another step in terms of an another elite environment obviously Rochdale and 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 Chesterfield were elite environments but then you step into Cat 1 Academy and it's even you know the demands and the quality and everything is even higher so you get to work with people like George Boating uh, you know he was the under 13s coach when I when I when I got there you get to work with the head of coaching was Tony Cars again another former player and really big big personality at Blackburn. Now he left to Aston Villa. Um, so you get this kind of influences from people around you directly or, or indirectly. Uh, it kind of helps you around, around the way in figuring out who you are and who do you want to be. Um, so yeah, quite quite fortunate to have these people. Like you said, I didn't have anyone at the beginning, but then start to have all these people around me in these clubs to really help me uh, along my journey. And I find myself lucky that, you know, to have to have that support. No, I think that's brilliant. I think the thing, the key, the key thing for me in what you said there as well is that as time's gone on, the support that you've received has been different, but and also probably more relevant to where you're at in your journey. Mm. But I think as uh, you've also, you've also demonstrated that maybe you've been quite a reflective person as well. And I identify right, okay, this is where I'm at. This is maybe the support I need, but I'm also willing to open, be open to recognizing there's going to be areas that I haven't considered yet. And I think that's the real key bit. So I guess, you know, what would your advice be to be coaches out there, maybe who are going through their journey now, thinking, I want to develop, but I'm not sure where to start. Yeah. Well, well, I think today, 
uh, and and uh, I mean, I'm not. I don't think I'm wrong when I say today there's more supporting, uh, you know, mechanisms in place when it comes to you wanting to, you know, to access and go and develop. So if we take the online bit, so forget about forget about your YouTube, your your session, whatever. If you look, for example, there's something called CV CV library, yeah. So the the coach's voice one. Now that's a brilliant tool available to anyone to go and access and the things that you see on there, you know, they come into clubs like ours or like Chelsea or like, you know, Manchester, you go to the best clubs in the world. They tap into the best coaches and best minds in the world and they literally show you and give it to you there and there. And you and then you see the details as delivered behind it in the house in the wise. So I think the online bit improved so much more than when I started. And then in terms of in terms of developing, I would assume that the WFIC license now, correct me if I'm wrong, if you get on the WFIC license, it is like a coach developer that comes in situ as well, or is it is it is it a bit different? Am I am I right in saying that? I didn't I didn't quite understand what you meant, what you said there. So the WFIC license now, yeah. when you do your WFIC license, you get the in situ visits. Yeah, there's one there's one development visit. So the way it works is slightly different to what it was when it was level two. Um, so when it was obviously the level two prior to the latest change, it was uh, three blocks of face-to-face -face learning, um, and then you'd have a minimum of two visits in which you had to kind of across your face-to-face -face days and obviously the institute visits, um, you'd have to demonstrate your competencies across yeah. the different areas of the coach development framework. Yeah. But I think um, where the UEFA-C has changed now, the course is shorter in terms of the face-to-face -face context. I think it was... 10 face-to-face -face days as level two now it's six face-to-face -face days with the UEFA C um, with one development visit as a minimum um, in which you obviously have to kind of demonstrate your competencies what I would say though again referring back to my earlier point I think standard has gone down yeah I think they've simplified it but I think where people used to say there was a big jump from level one to level two I think that that jump has got, I think that that gap has got even bigger, even though they've made the UEFA C a bit more simpler than the level two was. I think because of the people that might be going through the new level one in its current format, in that it's purely online, I think there's a real danger that there could be a massive gap in, in how, in how uh, effective that transition period is from level one into the UEFA C. Yeah. Whereas I think before, you'd at least have had that face-to-face -face contact. You would have at least had some practical support face-to-face -face around delivery yeah. um, on the level one course. It might be a very surface level. Yeah. I don't even. Th I think the fact that that doesn't exist anymore creates a massive challenge. And where they've almost, if you like, brought the UEFA C. Uh, I don't want to say they've brought the standard down, but where they've brought the kind of threshold down. I think that then creates an even bigger gap from what is now UEFA C into the UEFA B. Yeah, so I think I think with this one leading back to your question that you started, so it, it, you know then you need to be a bit more creative in terms of where and how you tap into learning and and developing. So I said the online thing improved a lot. Another thing that I used to do is and you get and now you can do this. You know the clubs are a bit more open to allowing. Some clubs are a bit more open to allowing coaches to come in and learn um, and observe, just observe a training session or whatever it is. So I think what I used to do is I used to reach out to a lot of these clubs and I used to get, you know, a lot of no's 
but now there's a lot of yes and and uh, I know clubs personally where you know you allow coaches to come in observe a training session have a discussion uh, and build relationships from there so I think the clubs now especially the professional clubs the cat three clubs are more open to allowing and build more relationship with the community than before so one would be online has improved much better with different platforms in terms of where you can get some some knowledge and or some things to challenge your thinking uh, and second of all just you know having an open mind and reaching out to people and trying to uh, meet people so what i used to do i used to go on the website find out who the people are and i'll used to just email them you know linkedin was not even there so linkedin now you know that helps you a bit more now to reach out to people but again you know you need to be mindful of how you build relationships with people before you start demanding things um so but that's down to you to be creative so i'm so glad that you've mentioned that as well because you know coaches network you know part of the kind of mm. the, the inspiration or the, i guess the, the motivation of putting the coaches network together as well was that you know, when i first started stepping into academy football and started to recognize that that landscape it wasn't until i maybe stepped into it that i realized mm. just how far or, or how much of a gap there was between that community and grassroots and the academy yeah elite environment yeah. if you like um, so part of you know part of the the origins of this this whole this whole journey that I've been on with the coaches network is to try and bridge that gap and try and create opportunities for people to connect with one another. And yeah. obviously that's now turned into a podcast where we can get direct insights from people like yourself and Ilnos who's had those academy experiences, but also the grassroots coaches can tap into some of that insight without actually being in the environment. Yeah. So there's a there's an there's a there's an awareness of what to expect, what to um you know, yeah, what to expect when you do step into that environment, recognizing that actually, yeah, it is an, a, a, a quote-unquote elite environment. There is quote-unquote elite players, if you like. Um, however, a lot of the challenges that grassroots coaches have are still very much the same. Yeah, yeah. it's just relative. It's just in your. It's just it's just relative to your context in recognizing that actually, yeah, we still face the same challenges, but how they look within our environment might be slightly different because of resources, because of uh, time, because of, um, you know, uh, how many coaches we've got on board or whether we've got limited access or no access to potentially additional people to support us with the delivery. Um, so there's so many different aspects which kind of exist in both worlds, but maybe until you really start to listen to conversations like this, you don't, you're not really aware of it. But, you know, speaking of challenges there, I'm really interested to kind of find out from you, then you know, obviously you're a coach who's come from abroad. Mm. You know, you started to get your qualifications, you built yourself up, and you know, you've done really well for yourself so far. Uh, and I, long may long may that continue. But what would you say is one of your biggest challenges so far? And how, you know, how have you gone about dealing with that? And it might even be something that you're currently dealing with now. Yeah, uh, I think I think some of some some of the well, a couple of a couple of them. The first one was breaking barriers and breaking doors, um, and just because you know, on top on top of that. I'm a foreigner. I'm also like a minority as well when it comes to living here, um, and it's just, and and the stereotype of of who I am. So I'm not just you know yes I'm from Romania, but I'm not your white guy with with a blonde hair if you know what I mean. Um, so I'm also you know I have Arab heritage and I look Arab, um, and my name is Arab as well. So that also 
didn't didn't know it posed a challenge to me until I started delving a bit more deeper into it and and started talking to people and understanding the the, the ins and outs. So that was one one big challenge for me, like breaking barriers and uh, like when it comes to race or backgrounds. Um, and fortunately enough, you know, my I would like to say my with persistence, with hard work, and with uh, with you know a lot and a lot of hard work. I want to say that is. You just try and show what you can do. Try and break that barrier. Try and push. So try and get to know people. Try and show them who you are and what can you bring to the table. Um, and I think as a country and as a nation here in the United Kingdom is definitely improving and getting a lot, a lot better. Um, there's a lot of way to go, a lot, a big way to go. But I think it is getting slowly, slowly. There are some steps starting to, some wheels starting to turn, uh, which is good to see. Uh, so that was one of my biggest challenges. So, let's talk. Let's let's unpack that because you know you, you, it's a it's a hot topic right now. Yeah. In terms of you know inclusion, diversity, yeah. you know we, everywhere you go, left, right, center, it's not just in football, but everyone's talking about inclusion and diversity. What does what does that mean to you? What is, what is inclusion and diversity to you? You know, uh, and how how do we get to uh, how do you feel that we get can get to a point of a genuinely more inclusive and diverse environment. Yeah. So inclusive inclusion diversity for me is giving everyone the opportunity, giving everyone the same opportunity, regardless of their race, background, gender, uh, you know, uh, or religion. Everyone should have the same opportunities. Everyone should have the same fair shot at what they're trying to achieve and, and who they're trying to be. Um, and in any industry, not in food, not just in football, anywhere. Um, I think the steps to improve, I mean, it's it's always the, you know, the unconscious bias, if you want to, if, you know, if if you know about that a bit more, if you look into it, and it's not, it's wrongly or rightly, I, I don't know, but, you know, with as, as a society and people, as you grow up, you you, you get to learn and, and you get molded by your society and, and who's around you. And then once you grow, you, t- you tend to make decisions and uh, based on on that, based on your beliefs, based on what was taught to you, um, and I think that's that's when the unconscious bias comes at the moment when it comes to inclusion and diversity. So that's why there's a step, there's a conscious step to try to improve it, uh, which is the inclusion and diversity movement, inclusion and diversity. You know, people that get hired now into businesses, into into the clubs as well to have a look at. So there's a conscious movement because we recognize that there's an unconscious bias to towards this. Um, so it is a positive step, but I think the only thing that will help this improve is time, is time and people that people that give other people opportunities and the people that gain the opportunities to make the most out of them. I think this is really important because you are given an opportunity and you need to, if you are from like a minority background or from like a group that is being overlooked is once you gain the opportunity and again rightly or wrongly you have that extra pressure that you that brings with it that you know you need to show now that you got it and you need to do well and and it is again i don't think it's fair but unfortunately it is the world that we live in um so the more we break these barriers the more people like you like you know butch fazal from their phase driving this uh, especially in football uh, like all these organizations, all these clubs that are hiring the inclusion and diversity managers and trying to tackle this issue. The more we do it, I think with time, 
it will it will it will it will get better because people, like I said, they get molded by the society that they live around. So the more you hear about this growing up, you know, the people, the coaches around us, the young people, the more they grow up, then they're gonna know and they're gonna feel, you know, this movement and it's gonna become normal with time. So when they do get to make decisions, when they do get to the technical director roles, when they do get to the manager roles or to the hiring manager role, um, this will not be anymore you know, something that, you know, gets you to think twice about his name or about his heritage or about his picture or whatever. Uh, it's about, you know, it's normal. This is who we are. So that takes time and, and unfortunately it takes time. Uh, but there are small steps taken, you know, being taken to improve this, which is good. Um, but it will take time, it will take more movement, it will take people, like I said, proving themselves. Uh, and, and yeah, and people trying to push it along, like, like Butch Fazal at FA. <laughs> I think I think it's a great point. I think it's a, it's, it's always a, it's always an interesting discussion to have around around this because um, I've got mixed views about it. Yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of initiatives, a lot of schemes, a lot of things that people are trying to do to uh, demonstrate their support for it. Um, the only thing I question sometimes is how much of it is actually a genuine change. Yes, yeah. Whether some of it's just you know. On the surface, if if that makes sense, but I think that's a conversation and a debate for another day. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's a long one. Yeah. <laughs> Coming back to you now, you know, you, you've you've had these experiences. You know, you've 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 gone on to, like you said, you make you get your UEFA A license. Um, you know, you've had your experience at Chesterfield, Rochdale, now at Blackburn. Um, what's next for you? Yeah. Well, what's next for me is is to transform this passion into a full time into a full time role. Uh, so th this is what I'm consciously working towards um, as well. So you know, you yes, you there are your session deliveries, and you want to improve your players, and that's your main core, and that's what's going to help you eventually get to where you want to get. Uh, but you know, sometimes you need to know that you don't know to go and to go and and learn and. And get the experiences. So that's really the first thing is knowing what I don't know, knowing that I don't know, for then finding out what I don't know to make it better and move into the next step. So yeah, for next for me is, is moving into a full-time role. You know, having to work two jobs, a full-time job to you know to provide for my family, and then a part-time job uh, to do my passion. And then like you like yourself, you know, we have kids, we have families. Um, so tackling all these together. I feel it dilutes some of the quality that you can actually go into in comparison to if you are just full time and focusing on one role. Um, so that's why I feel with me sometimes, you know, sometimes you'll work, you'll have a really busy day at work because it was challenging that day and then you have a training session and then you need to be really smart around how do you plan that and maybe if I had that extra hour or two to delve a bit more deeper, then, then it could have been a different scenario. Um, so that's the, that's the feeling. So. That's why I want to move it to a full-time role, help improve, get better. Hopefully that will help me, you know, produce better players and help them achieve their dreams and their careers and whatever they want to do, um, because that's what drives me. So that's that's next for me. That's the next step uh, for me. I think you're still on mute. Yeah, I can hear you now. I think, you know, I, I was just saying I love that because I think, you know, really what I'm hearing is you just want to be able to have as big as impact as you can. Um, yeah. 
I think coming back right to the top of the conversation, you said, you know, the thing that really caught you about the coaching aspect of things was being able to help people. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, I'd like to believe that all of us have in common as coaches is that we just want to help people and it just happens to be that we've got a passion for football in which we can utilise as a tool and a vehicle to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think it's, it, it is a powerful tool. It's a powerful um powerful way to get through to people and I think it's definitely something that brings people together but you know just now having the experiences that you've had you know you've had the life experiences the lived experiences of not just being in a you know a person but obviously now working in the game and having several different um ups and downs possibly along the way if you could go back 10 years now you've come to the UK just wanted to start your coaching journey. You've had it. You've had all the fun and games of picking up and putting down cones um, back in Romania. What's a what's a message that you'd like to give yourself back then, which you feel would maybe encourage, motivate, or potentially accelerate your development to what it has been now? If you had to start that journey again, not to say that you regret anything or that you would change anything. Yeah. Wow. Uh, what a question that, uh, that that's from you. <laughs> um... To be honest, I, you know, listening to podcasts, you, you listen to people answering this question, and and but I never thought about myself, uh, what 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 advice I would give myself. Um, I would I would I would I would say just, you know, to to accelerate my development, I would say maybe do some of the steps that I did later on earlier, in terms of reaching out. Let's be specific. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be specific now. So some of the steps. So do, you know, reach out to people and believe that, you know, people will help earlier than, than I did. Um, so I, I felt I felt really lonely when when I started the journey and starting even when I started, I was giving opportunity to coaching grassroots. Um, and I think didn't really believe that there's someone that really wants to help me, you know, along my journey. So what I would say is, so glad that you mentioned it. Sorry to pause you there. Yeah. I'm so glad that you mentioned it because one of the biggest things that I've picked up along my way as well is people do want to help. Mm, yes. People do want to help. And what tends to happen is we end up asking the question a lot yeah. later than we should have. Yes. And then we actually end up getting the support that we need, that we wanted this whole time. A hundred percent. That's exactly the thing that I would, I would say to myself because once... Once I started doing that, you know, I was get, I was really surprised by the response, and I was like, oh wow, why, 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 why didn't I, you know, why didn't I ask this question earlier? Uh, why didn't I? I, it just felt, it just sometimes I think when when you are there, you you kind of feel that it's unattainable, or you don't, or you don't, you know, want to feel that you're stepping on anyone's toes or anything or something like this, and and I think it's a common feeling that you, that you might have. Uh, well, as more as I delved into it, what I realized is there's a lot in a lot of people that really want to help. Um, and, you know, obviously it depends what you're asking them to do. But to a certain extent, they will, they will really want to help. You know, if it's an advice, if it's in, uh, um, like, I remember the first time I ever reached out to anyone was when I did my B license and I reached out to the Liverpool FA and I said, you know, I need help here. You know, I'm working in grassroots. Can someone come and observe me? And they said, well, we can't really come and observe you because we don't have the resources. But what we can do is 
try and try and film a session and send it to us and we'll give you a feedback and they gave me how to film a session how to use my phone to film a session how to put it together and how to send it to them um and it was in a big big detail and i was like wow you know it's um uh, it is it, they want to help there's people that want to help them and then this is the one thing i'll say don't be afraid to reach out to people earlier around you know, around open, opening networks or opening discussions or just asking them for help. So this this is a message that will definitely accelerate some of my learning uh, and developing. I can't I can't I can't hear you now. Yes. Hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Just just to build on that, then you know, that message that you might want to give yourself. Yeah. Um, based on your own experiences. Yeah. Um, would that message be any different? It'd be a different message you might lay down for someone who's maybe just starting out on this coaching journey now around what they could do or, you know, what advice you'd give to a new coach listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say try and tap and tap into everything you can. And there's a lot and a lot of resources out there for you to tap into. You know, there's, there's like I said earlier, from the online bit, from the different subscriptions that there might be online that there was definitely non-existent when I started, to to you know just going going the extra mile and observing sessions of someone else, uh, asking a question for help. Um, so th th these kind of things, I think, just try and tap into everything you can and everything you find. Um, it's it's really really important uh, because there's a lot. There are a lot of resources. There are a lot of people that want to help, but obviously no one will just give you help. No one can guess that you need help. So you need to go and ask and and try and and find and find the ways, find find them, and then ask the question and see and see what happens. Uh, and this is my biggest biggest advice. My first two years in coaching was so lonely. Um, it was just thinking that's just me. I'm just me. I'm going to develop myself. Uh, and but just then one once I get into once I get the grip of it, once I got the grip of it, and I said, okay, you know what? Start asking people for 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 help. Go and find courses, find resources to help you develop. There's so much online now going on, and the quality is so much better than what it was back then. It's not just a matter of finding a session and delivering it, but there's a lot of you know whys and hows and delving into people's minds and you know, with interviews and podcasts, like, you know, like the podcast that you have is, is just amazing. You know, the people that you had on your podcast is just a different level. Um, and especially I think the pandemic also, I think, pushed it towards these podcast kind of scenarios and webinars. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's at the click of a button. And then, but don't forget the, the you know, the human element of it, because it's important. You need to you know go out there, observe training sessions, uh, ask clubs if you can go in and observe training sessions. Uh, ask people to watch your session and give you, you know, uh, a feed feedback around it. Obviously, the right people. Um, so yeah, just tap into everything you can because it is there. It is available. It just needs your effort, and effort is the only guaranteed thing that you can give. I think um, can't control where we're going to end up. Can't control how we're going to get there. Yeah can have an intention, we can have a plan, um, but all we've really got is, like, like you said, that effort piece. Make it happen. 
that man. I think it's spot on there. I mean, look, it's been a really insightful conversation. I think you know, there's been a lot of key takeaways for me in, in the conversation as well. I think really what you what you've really enforced here is um, that that piece around resilience. Yeah. Um, you know, keep trying, even if you go back to the, the initial piece. And then there's so many people that are probably experiencing this now around, you know, that that constant that rejection. And I don't even like using that word really, but maybe not being successful in getting on the UEFA B or getting on the UEFA C or whatever qualification is that they're applying for. Just keep trying, keep trying, but recognize that actually just because you haven't got the qualification doesn't mean your learning stops doesn't mean your development stops there's other things that you can be doing in between whether it's listening to a podcast whether it's attending a webinar whether it's attending um an informal cpd do you know what i mean there's just so many different things out there and you know i think that's really really important to kind of tap into as well um and you know really i, I you know con- congratulations on me you know you've, you've done really well to get to where you are you know you have a license coach you now got your academy experiences you know and hopefully one day We'll be having a part two where you'll be sitting here as a first team manager, man. Um, well, <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be the dream. Well, well, that, I think that's that's the dream, isn't it? Um, but yeah, there's a long journey along the way, and I think the most important thing that I, another message that I would like to give anyone is the players are, you know, the people that you work with and you're trying to improve are the most important thing. Um, you are nothing without them. You know, if you think just about your session and delivering your session and Oh, I'm only going to deliver and see how good I delivered this session. And I've been there. Don't get me wrong. I've been there and I'm still, and I feel like sometimes I'm still there. Um, that, you know, but it's, it is about the players or about the people that you're trying to help. What do they need and how can you be the best at helping them get there? And the more you focus on that, the more the rest will just, you know, come along, come, come along the way. Um, and, you know, I didn't figure this out eight years ago, six years ago, five years ago, I figured this out two years ago. Um, and, you know, you're always learning, you always get, you know, get there. So keep going. Like I said, the piece I want resilience, everything, there's a lot of things out there for you. Keep going and then just think about why you're doing what you're doing. And at least in my job, it's it's the players, isn't it? Um, and then in other industries, it can be people, it can be something else. Um, I mean, just on that, is there anyone I wanted to touch with you about you or just pull on your experiences? Is there some way they can do that? Uh, yes. So you can find me on LinkedIn. So I think if you uh, LinkedIn, it's Ahmed Bilal, uh, spelled in that way. If you just, you know, search it, you can find me there. If not, uh, it's my email address. So Ahmed, my first name, dot Bilal, my last name, uh, number four. And that's just the month I was born in. So not just a random number, but you know, there's a lot of Ahmed Bilal around there. Um, at ymail.com, and that's Y for Yankee, ymail.com. So LinkedIn or, or at my email address, you know, I'll be more than happy to to answer any questions. More than happy to, you know, if there's coaches that want to observe a training session or whatever I can do with whatever I ha- with the time that I have, I'll be more than happy to do so. Amazing. I really appreciate the time today, Ahmed. You know, it's been really insightful. And like I said, I'm sure there's going to be lots of information here that people are going to be thinking about and hopefully provoking some thought in their own journeys and challenges. Um, but no, thank you again for your time. No, thank you very much for this invitation. It's actually a good, you know, window into your brain. So really, thank you very much for this. No, you're welcome. A pleasure, was man. Definitely. Pleasure, pleasure. Thank best you. of luck and wish the best of luck to all your listeners as well. Thank you, thank you very much. Cheers, yes.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.